welcome in this place this morning. Most welcome. I ask that you'd have your way amongst us, that you would speak to every one of us, that as we leave today's meeting, that would be the sound on people's lips, was that I encountered God this morning, that the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning, that I heard from God, that I was touched by the Spirit and the power of God. Father, our desire is to make you famous in Hamilton and beyond, the nation, the nations of the world. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're empowering us daily. You've empowered us and you're empowering us daily to do the things that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, we honor you. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome. Great to see you. We're going to take a couple of moments to pray for the children um, and fa families. What I'd actually like you to do is if you're a parent or you're a caregiver or a grandparent, you've brought children this morning, why don't you come and stand with them? And we want to pray God's blessing over families. It's great to see kids all rearing to go under the leadership of Tim and James Brown this year. Exciting, but daunting for them. The craziest thing, I was in Tar Lake Tarawera in the early New Year and I was sitting in a natural hot pool in the middle of nowhere, the bush. And I was chatting with this older gentleman who was sitting in the same pool. Turns out to be Tim's dad, would you believe? Unbelievable. Great. Right, is everybody with someone? If you brought a child this morning, come and, come and stand with them. If you're, if you're a child, hold your hand up really high if you've got no one standing with you yet. <laughs> you got someone standing with you. doing pretty good. I think we're doing pretty good. Let's pray, eh? Church, would you like to stand? I, I'm going to pray the blessing of God. I'm going to include the blessing of God over you. But this morning, I really feel, and our whole service is going to take this shape, to pray God's commissioning over you as families and over your children. And uh, there is a difference between the commissioning of God and the blessing of God. If someone ever asks you to pray a blessing and you're standing there and you're going, what on earth do I pray? How do I bless someone? Just pray the birthday prayer. That's a blessing, okay? That's, that's a blessing. That's part of the reason we do it is we want to teach you how to bless people. So just pray that. You might have to change a couple of words here and there, but that's, that's a prayer of blessing. This morning, I really feel to commission you in the name of Jesus. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for families. I thank you for children. I thank you, Lord, that there is no one just making up the numbers in your kingdom, that you have a plan, you have a call, you have a purpose for every one of us, no matter how old or how young we are. And this morning, Jesus, uh, I celebrate family with you. I celebrate children with you. We celebrate together the power of godly families in our communities. And Jesus, this morning, in your name, I commission every child, every parent, every grandparent, every caregiver, every family to be like Jesus wherever they are. 
Father, that we would carry the good news of your kingdom wherever we go and that we won't be limited by age or stage or phase of life that we're in, but every one of us would know what it is to be empowered by your Holy Spirit and commissioned by your Holy Spirit. So this morning, as you asked us to do in Matthew, or told us in Matthew 28, I commissioned families, I commissioned children in the name of Jesus to go make disciples. Go make disciples. And Father, as we do that, I know that we will have your provision and we thank you for that. We will have your health. We thank you for that. That you will protect our relationships. We thank you for that. That you will take care of every need as we set first the kingdom of God. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would rest afresh on every one of these this morning. Every child, every parent, every grandparent, every caregiver, Holy Spirit, that you would rest on them afresh, that you would fill them afresh this morning in the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen, amen. Have a great time as you go out this morning, guys. kids are heading off. Jan's probably already talked about this, ladies, but this is a great opportunity for you. Girls Day Out, she's courageous. This is something that you really, really need to be at if at all possible. I get to hear the feedback from it every year, and every year it's amazing. People touch what This is a great event to bring friends to. Workmates, anybody else that you kind of find on the street, just enroll them, bring them, and you'll, you'll have a great time. Well, Chris, why don't you come and lead us around communion this morning? Can you give Chris, Chris is the CEO of ATC, can you give him a hand as he comes, please? always impressed by how Jesus spoke to the 5,000 and 10,000 and there was no sound system. <laughs> Haven't got to that point yet. Well, you know, I was thinking this week about communion and the Lord's Supper and uh, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And, you know, I was thinking, why did he say that? You know, he didn't have a character flaw. He wasn't lonely and he needed uplifting. Uh, he didn't have an ego and needed praising and all the rest of it. Uh, it wasn't about him. Uh, God is love, and love, true love, is about focusing on the object of your affection and not about yourself. So when he says, do this in remembrance of me, he's saying it for us. He's saying, look at the pattern of my life so that you can live your one and know how to walk in this day. He says, look at me and the promises that I've brought to pass by what I've done on the cross and the better and greater promises of the new covenant that you can receive today. He says, look at me and the love and the fellowship and the partnership that I want with you and I want to take that heavy yoke and burden off you and I want to take the light one that I've got for you, which is easy and to carry. So it's all about us. When we remember Jesus, we remember what he's done for us, the relationship that he started with us, the sort of thing that he wants us to receive. 
And you know, I was thinking most of us here, of course, have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We've taken that promise of salvation, that great grace that was poured out, and we've received it into our lives. And that's brilliant. And then along the way, you know, things come against us from time to time. And uh, we reach out to Jesus for the answer to our, our needs, whatever they may be, for healing or financial supply or some new job or whatever you're believing for. And at times it seems like it's hard to touch Jesus, isn't it? Hard to get that power to move, hard, hard to get the answer to your prayer. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Mark chapter 5, when Jesus uh, had crossed over the sea and, and uh, delivered a demon-possessed man, and he came back across in the boat and he came onto the shore and a large crowd gathered around him. And they all pressed against him. And I just imagined in that scene, and there must have been lots of people saying, oh, we can just touch Jesus, perhaps we get some blessing. If we just touch Jesus, we might get some healing. If we just touch Jesus, perhaps something special will happen in our lives. And lots of people would have been asking him for all sorts of requests and so forth. And there's only one thing that we actually get recorded out of that whole event, and that's Jairus who comes to him and pleads about his daughter. And it says there in Mark 5, he says, Jairus fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. You know, and at that point, Jesus would have said, Yeah, look, my heart is out to you. I, I, I have the compassion for you. I understand as a father that must be really hard, but it's not enough for me to act. I need more than that. And then he turned around and said further, he said, Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went. And the point there is the fact that Jesus requires faith to act. He's looking to encourage our faith. He's looking to build up our faith. And even when he went to his hometown, he said he could not do any mighty miracles there because they did not have any faith. He's looking to enlarge us because he wants to bless us. He wants to answer our prayers. He wants to meet us. But he needs faith to act. You know, Jairus didn't come up and say, look, I hope that you can come to my house and there might be a chance you could do something. I've tried everything else, but you might be my last hope. Just give it a shot and see what happens. Jesus wouldn't have gone on that. But he said, you come to my house and she will live. That was the only point he needed to do. If he got Jesus coming, the answer was done. It was no longer an issue. And well, how did Jesus do that? He went to his house, he laid his hands on the sick girl and she lived. He did exactly what Jairus believed and asked him to do because that's where his faith was. And while he was on the way, there was a woman who came up in the crowd, a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. It wasn't hope again. She wasn't taking a chance. I've tried everything else. Every other physician will give this guy a go. He's the latest fad, you know. She said, I've heard about Jesus, and if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. There is no option. There is no backup. There is no other plan. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitudes thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? You see, it was really easy to go and touch the Son of Man, but you had to have faith to touch the Son of God. Right? So all that crowd, all that crowd that was touching him, 
didn't receive anything, but she who reached out in faith received. And I imagine if Jesus walked in here bodily right now this morning, and we all got up thinking, oh, we just touched Jesus, we can get a healing, perhaps something will happen, perhaps anointing will happen, I think it would be sorely disappointed because it still takes faith. It's faith for the power of God to move. And it didn't matter what the thing that she wanted to experience or whether the point of faith or the point of release was, it matters that that's what she had her faith in. Jesus didn't even know that that was going to occur. He was surprised. He felt the power go out of him and said, what, what, what happened here? And she came up to him and she said, your faith has made you whole. Her faith made her whole. And then I was thinking about the centurion in chapter 8 of Matthew that came to Jesus and said, my servant lives dreadfully tormented at home. And Jesus said, the son of God says, I will come and heal him. He declared what he would do. And the centurion said, no, just say the word. Which one did Jesus do? What the centurion said, not what Jesus said he would do. Why? Because that's where the centurion's faith was. And he commented on his faith and praised him for his faith. Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done unto you, he said to the centurion. And I believe the same opportunity is here today. We can touch Jesus by faith wasn't any different in the day that he was walking on the earth. You still had to reach out in faith. It didn't matter whether you needed hands laid on you. It doesn't matter whether you can touch the hem of a garment. It doesn't matter if you just need the word and that's sufficient. Wherever you put your faith, Jesus will meet you. That's the secret place. That's the, the hiding place. That's the place where you meet with your Savior, wherever you put your faith. You know, um, my mother-in-law who very much loves the Lord and uh, for, for a long time, and she lives in a rest home down in the Manawatu. In early December, she fell over and broke her hip. And, uh, you know, they have to decide fairly quickly what they're going to do in those sort of situations. And uh, so uh, one of the options was have an operation, and, and we supported that, and, and the rest of the family did as well. But th there's always a worry, you know, when you get older, having an operation and full anesthetic and so forth. There's often more of a concern than actual thing they're trying to trying to solve but anyway the whole family agreed and she went through and had an operation they had to cut open her hip and put in a metal plate and screws and so forth and sew her up again and she sailed through that without a problem two days later she was on her feet and two weeks later she was back in the home as mobile as she was before which is great testimony to god's great you know his grace and his goodness and so forth but the really interesting thing about the story she's 99 years old she's 100 in this september and it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what situation you are, but wherever you put your faith, God will meet you. Amen? And then I was, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, thinking about what I was going to share this morning, you know, and I, I jumped on my exercise and I was, started to pedal away, and I got about 1K up on the clock, and I started to feel a bit of a pain across my chest, you know. The devil comes straight in and says, well, you better slow down, Chris, you know, you're getting a little bit older these days. Better take it easy and look after yourself. But you know what happened? In my heart, my, these scriptures rose up that I put in my spirit. And I said, no, Psalm 103 says that he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. And Psalm 23 says that goodness and mercy follow me, not sickness, disease, and disaster. Goodness and mercy wherever I go. And in Matthew 8, 17, it says that, by, that he took his, our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So I don't have anything to bear. And 1 Peter 2.24 says that by whose stripes I've been healed, so I don't have to wait for it. It's already done. And regarding being old, in, in Romans 8.11, it says that if the spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me, he shall quicken my mortal body. So 
away from me, Satan. And I didn't slow down. I sped up. And I tell you, in less than 30 seconds, that was all gone, and I was 100%. And I went on, did another 8, 10 Ks, and I, you know, I get on it every now and again and haven't had that come back. But Jesus will meet you wherever you put your faith. It doesn't matter. His love for us has not faded. It is not less. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you need Sheridan to lay hands on you. It doesn't matter whether you can have the faith to do it at home. It doesn't matter whether you need to go to the doctor and trust in God to work through that. It doesn't matter where you put your faith. It just matters you put your faith somewhere. It matters that you feed on His Word and His promises and then reach out and take hold. And Jesus will meet you there. Amen? So that's what communion is about to me this morning, about communing, fellowship, joining. His love for you has not gone away. He's not hard to reach. It's just a process of how to do it. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. I thank you, Father, for sowing those seeds in everyone's heart this morning that you are not far from all of us, Lord. That the same principles that we use to get saved, to take your promises and believe and confess your salvation is the same principles we can use to receive healing, to receive a new job, to receive financial supply, to receive anything else that we have need of today. And Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, for just planting that in people's hearts and to sowing the seeds of victory and supply as we take communion this morning. Amen. Thank you. chatting with Josh just before the service and he said to me so goodness again this year yep I really felt in God that we should move off goodness this year that we need to go again and um, I was listening to a, a prophet of some renown yesterday on the internet and he was prophesying uh, into 216 for God's church and all of a sudden he said those who can take hold of and express the goodness of God in 2016 are going to be released into a new realm of the supernatural. That's what I thought. Exactly that, Simon. Let it be. Amen. Amen. Maybe God's got us on goodness this year again for a reason, eh? I wonder where your faith is. Where's your faith at? You expecting God to use you supernaturally this year? just going to be another year I rebuke just another year some years are better than others some years suck if you're honest well they do don't they you know if you've lived a little bit let's face it not every year is a bed of roses what's God going to do this year how's he going to use you this year going to be purposed in your outworking of this year and what he's got for you. How did he go last week with uh, those who were here with um, patience and humility and
all those kind of things. Remember we prayed that God would really bring those to our mind? I was doing so good until I played squash. (laughs) And no more needs to be said about that. But if you'd like to know the rest of the story, you just have a talk to my friend Kevin, who brutalised me. (laughs) Dan's saying, show my bruise, show my bruise. No, I wouldn't do that. It's not fair. It's not fair. But I did think, you know, what would a good friend do? They would milk it for all it's worth, wouldn't they? (laughs) Anyway, Activate Church. What are we about? What are we about? What are you about? Who are we called to be? Can I say this this morning? Today we are focusing around commissioning. Because Jesus has commissioned every one of us. So who are we? Who are we called to be? What are you about? Who are you called to be? Jesus said to all of us this. He said in Matthew 28, 19, he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am always with you even till the end of the age. That's whether you feel like it or not. I am always with you, always, until the end of the age. What are the commands that God gave us? How complex is it? Well, he only told us to do two things. In Matthew chapter 22, he told us to love God and love one another. That's it. That's it. So when we go into all the world to be, to make disciples, and to teach them to obey Jesus. What's that look like? It looks like loving God and loving one another. It looks like Jesus. That's what it looks like. It looks like, what's love look like? What's love, loving God look like? What's loving one another look like? It looks like Jesus. So wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. That's what it looks like. Matthew 16 verse 19 says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Other translations say, whatever you loose will be loosed. And whatever you bind will be bound. So our role is to unlock. Our role is to unlock atmospheres of heaven. That's part of your, that's what you need to do this year. As we pursue God, unlock atmospheres of heaven and lock up any atmosphere that's not heaven. What is the atmosphere of heaven? The atmosphere of heaven is love. It's love. So, because God is love. And where God is his love, he asks us to make disciples. He asks us to teach them. What's that look like? It looks like love. He says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. You unlock heaven and you lock those things that aren't heaven wherever you go. What does that look like? It looks like love. It looks like goodness. It looks like love. We're to be carriers of his love. And then he's gone to this amazing measure to make sure that we are well-equipped, and that we become mature in what he's asked us to do. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, to make sure that we're short of nothing so that we can take into any environment we are, love. The Holy Spirit. 
gives us confidence, gives us counsel, gives us power to take in to any environment. And then he says, hey, and I'm going to help you as well. I'm going to make sure you grow in your faith, that you become mature in your faith, because anything that is healthy grows. We know that, eh? Anything that is healthy grows. It's just that's the laws of nature. So then in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, look, I'm giving you these gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue, continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of God. When it talks about maturity there, bringing us to the maturity, the word is teleos, it literally means until they are complete in Christ, until nothing lacks in Christ. I love that because what it's telling me is that when God commissions me to go and make disciples, he not only equips me, but then he gives gifts to people within the church to help me grow in that journey, but it doesn't insinuate that I'm mature straight away. What it's saying is this is going to be a journey. But there is at some point a place of completeness. There is a place where I will lack nothing. Have I arrived there yet? No. Nah. Have you? Probably not. But we're on this journey. This journey of expressing the love and the goodness of God. What is Activate Church all about? It's about expressing love and goodness of God wherever you are, whenever you're there. We, um, our statement for Activate Church and Activate Churches is activating community transformation. How's that happen? Expressing love, expressing goodness. Can we really change the community? Can we really usher in transformation to our workplace, to our place of study, to our neighborhood, to our family? Absolutely. Because otherwise we wouldn't have been asked to do it. Absolutely we can. In the power of God, we're introducing love, goodness of God into the situation wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. We've got a corporate dream and, and carrying this dream for a long, long time that we will establish a campus for our community. And it'll be a place where people can be touched holistically, where they're a place of hope, a place that'll build people's lives. And we just keep working steadily toward it. You might go, wow, we haven't seen a lot happen yet. Well, you haven't on the surface, but let me tell you, underneath, my goodness, a lot has happened in the last few years. And if you want to pray, um, around the campus coming to light so the world can see it, we really, really need some buildings we've got our eyes on to be released. I'm praying nearly every day, Jesus, please release those buildings now. Release those buildings now so that we can step into the next phase. But the campus would have the church would be on the campus and ATC would be on the campus, Community Link would be on the campus, Health Centre would be on the campus, other things would be on the campus. But the idea, the purpose would be to touch every part of people's lives, spiritual, emotional, social, health. That's corporate. That's what I see corporately. And then I see you. And I see you not in the future. I see you now. 
and the future. Being empowered by God to take his love and his goodness to wherever you are and whenever you're there. See, that's achievable today. That's achievable this week. When you walk into work on Monday morning, I wonder if when you walk into the office, the talk in the office is, oh, flip, here they are. Duck your head, you know? Tuesday morning, well, it'll be Tuesday morning this week, won't it? They're always grumpy on Monday morning. Just duck, duck your head. Don't say anything, you get bitten off. I wonder if you're one of those ones at work or when you walk in the door to work, everyone goes, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. Did you have a good weekend? Fantastic. Because you carry an atmosphere into the workplace or into school or into the home when you walk in there. Because that's carrying something of the love and the goodness of God. That's what we've been commissioned by God to do. Make disciples. Really hard to make disciples if when you walk into the office, they go, don't talk to them. Or if the talk around the office is, hey, if you want to have a negative conversation, if you want to get the goss of what's going on, if you want to hear everything that's wrong in this place, just talk to them. Yeah, no. We don't want to be known as those people. We want to be known as the people who've got something positive on our lips. We want to be the, known as the people when they come in, people that bless. You want to be known as a person in your workplace, hey, if you've got a problem, go and talk to them. You know, they might not be able to solve it necessarily, but they'll listen to you, they'll love on you. How about if you were known in your workplace? You know, I'm not quite sure how it works, but if you go and talk to them, they do this prayer thing. And it's amazing what happens. Amazing. Stuff just changes. Stuff happens. That could be you. Why not? We're commissioned to go make disciples. We're not commissioned just to get through life. Jesus said, go. Just hang in there until either I come back or you drop dead. One of the two, you know, we'll have a talk how it went when I got there. No. He said, go make disciples. Teach them. Love God. Love one another. Make life count. Make life purposeful. Get out there. And this is where uh, Ephesians 4 is where our values come from. That are on the wall. Because we asked the question, and we spent a lot of time doing it. We said, if Jesus says, I've given you gifts of people to help bring you through to a place of maturity, what does a mature believer look like? In our world today, a mature believer still looks like Jesus. Never going to change. But can we try and put some language to what a mature believer would look like? Well, I reckon they'd look purposed. They're not just going to wander through life, wondering what it's going to dish up and hoping they survive it. They're going to look purposed. They're on mission from, you're on mission from God. You have been commissioned by God. Purposed. You'll be courageous. Because let's face it, if you've had one or two knockbacks in life, particularly if you're going to go there again, it takes courage. I've prayed for people that I really believed were going to live and they've died. And when I'm having bad days and someone asks me to pray for them, the devil will try and put those thoughts back in my mind and I go, no, no. That might, I might have experienced that, but that's not the promise of God. That's not the truth of God. By his, as Chris said, by his stripes, we are healed. Darn it, I'm going to step up to the plate and go again. We all have that choice every day. 
every day in different ways. Some days just getting up to go to work. Hey, here we go again. Into it. Courageous. Big-hearted. Is there a better example than big-hearted of big-hearted than Jesus? In every area of life. I know often big-hearted, when you think about it, you come straight back to money. Well, that's kind of the currency of the day. It really does show our heart. But big-hearted goes so far further than money. So far further. Do we live with a big heart? It's beyond ourselves. Belonging. I love belonging. It's one of my... It's the one I'm working with this year particularly. Belonging. You can't do life on your own. Well, you can. You're going to be miserable. You're not designed to do life on your own. You're certainly not designed to do faith on your own. It's a community. I believe that's why we're here together. It's a community of faith. You know, we encourage each other on. We lift each other up. We push each other forward. Sometimes we tell each other to cut it out. You've been an idiot. It's all part of journeying as a community. And the last one is kingdom focused. There is so much more than here. So much more than here. Yet, Jesus said, his kingdom will reign and it will go on and on and on without end. So there's stuff for us to do. There's stuff he wants us to do. He wants us to be involved with rowing the kingdom. How do we do that? Go right back to the start. Love, goodness. Love, goodness, love God, love one another. Every time we bring that atmosphere, unlock it. Wherever we are, we are extending, we are growing, we are pushing the kingdom of God forward. There's so much for us to do. It's cool. You don't have to wake up and wonder what it's all about. There's so much to do. So today, what I really feel to do is to commission each one of us to anoint each one of us with oil and commission us in the name of Jesus that we go into the world with purpose, that we go into the world commissioned by God. It's like all the thoughts that happen, it's bringing it to the top again. Hang on, I'm commissioned by God, I'm empowered by God, I'm anointed by God, not just to get through life, not just to get through this next week, but for a purpose and for a reason, wherever I am. Be like Jesus. Whatever I'm doing, be like Jesus. And this morning, we're going to commission every person. We're going to anoint you with oil. And I've got faith that the Holy Spirit is going to come afresh in people's lives and that tomorrow is going to be different today. That tomorrow there's going to be this growing, welling sense of purpose again when you get out of bed. We're going to do two things. First of all, we're going to do that. We're going to commission you. And then after that, we're going to take some time just before God. And you might want someone to pray with you during that time. That's cool. That's what you want. Or you may like to sit and just think some stuff through. But I'll talk more about that in a moment. I want to throw a challenge out before we go there. Right now, can I have the... You know our picture. Hopefully you see it reasonably often. The 10 different areas in society that we've... There's, there's other areas. 
If you can't see where you fit really easily up there, just stretch your boundaries a little bit because we all fit somewhere. And God sent us into these different areas of community. And he's saying, go make disciples. He sent us into these different areas of community and society, and he's saying, take my goodness. Take my love. Teach them how to love me. Teach them how to love one another. And it doesn't matter whether it's within the area of commerce and law, worldview, health, science, government, sport, recreation, education, media, technology, social, arts, entertainment, in the family, we've all been placed. So live there like it counts. For years and years, I tried to get out of the environment that God had placed me in. It wasn't until I realized that I was placed there for a purpose and I got a good attitude and he said, okay, you've learned that one on your way. Funny, eh? Weird. Make the most of where you are. God's got you there for a reason. Can the helpers that I've asked to come and help me this morning, can you just come down the front here and we've got some oil for you. Get a bottle of oil. It'd be great. Thank you. <clears throat> Might have to have one bottle of oil between couples. Depends how many we've got there. Oh no, plenty. Plenty. The Bible shows us very clearly that oil is a sign of the Holy Spirit, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I'm going to invite you out of your seats in just a moment to come forward. And these guys are going to anoint you with oil. And they're going to commission you in the name of Jesus and empower you in the name of the Holy Spirit or by the Spirit to do what you've been called to do and to live the life you've been called to do. And so can we stand for a moment? I'm going to pray and then I want to invite you to come out and Can I remind you of what Chris encouraged us with, that God will meet us where our faith is. He will meet us where our faith is at. And so as you come this morning, I want to encourage you not just to come kind of empty going, wow, I'm hoping that something magic's going to happen here, because it's not going to just magic. God will meet you where your faith is. So stir up some hunger in your heart. Stir up some passion in your heart. Stir up some desire in your heart to live the life God's called you to live. And come with some hunger so that as they anoint you with oil, the Holy Spirit and fill you afresh. Fresh commissioning of God, fresh anointing of God on your life. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that you've called each one of us no one's exempt. I thank you again that 
we're not making up numbers. You've got a plan. You've got a purpose. You've got desire for each one of us. And you called each one of us. And that we have the incredible opportunity to live life with purpose and with courage and a sense of belonging and big hearts and kingdom focused. I thank Jesus that there are are enough people in this room to change our city. Father, I ask that you would stir faith even now in people's hearts in Jesus' name. Stir the impossible, release impossible thoughts in Jesus' name. Impossible desires in Jesus' name. For your kingdom. And my prayer, Lord, is that as we're anointed this morning with oil, you would anoint powerfully with your Holy Spirit for those things that you've foreseen us to do and planned for us to do and that you're asking for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you come out of your seats? Come in. There's heaps of people here, so you can have fairly short lines.
time's running away. It took longer than I thought, but it was good. What I really felt to do as I was preparing... Oh, Joe, can you come? Can we get another mic? Joe heard this, which was really encouraging. I thought you'd like it. Hello, hello, hi. Hey, um, just as Sheridan was uh, uh, sharing before we were all being anointed, uh, he sort of stuttered on one of the words. I don't know if anyone else noticed it. He sort of said co-missioned as opposed to commissioned. And it struck me as a very interesting thought that actually what we were being asked to do was to join God's mission and to go forward and to sort of make disciples of the world. And, and being, being me, being an academic, I sort of thought, oh, that's an interesting idea. I jumped on my phone and thought, you know, what's the etymology of the word commissioned? I thought, you know, back up, you know, back up what God's just told me. I'll find what the dictionary says. Um, and the dictionary had something even, even more perhaps profound. Uh, when you look up the word uh, commissioned, uh, it goes to a Latin word uh, where the origin of the word means to be entrusted. And I thought that was actually even more of a significant component because we're being entrusted to make disciples of people. No one else is going to do that job. You know, we've been chosen to do that. Um, and I think that's quite a, a sort of striking idea is, as we've been anointed, we've been asked to go forth to join God's mission and we've been entrusted to do that because no one else is going to. So that's all. Thank you. Isn't that powerful? Thanks, Wayne. Well, hopefully I get the pronunciation of this word right. Um, because otherwise you could go off in all sorts of directions. But as I was praying, and, and uh, Lord, how should we finish our, our gathering this morning? I really felt this word drop into my spirit, cathartic. A cathartic encounter. How's that? Not catheter. <laughs> cathartic encounter. And um, cathartic means cleaning, releasing, relieving, freeing delivering because I asked the question well we've been commissioned we've been anointed what's going to stop us doing what God's asked us to do because you and I both know that we can walk out the door and carry on as if nothing is any different than it was when we walked in the door wow that was a great gathering you know God moved. God did something. Now let's carry on. Switch off. That was that. Done my job. Ticked the box. Been to church. Got the gold star in heaven. All that kind of stuff. And God's roll book. Stamp for attendance. And carry on. But that's not the purposes of God. I thought, as I started to think about it, I thought, well, Lord, what will stop us doing what you called us to do? The fear of man will stop us. Boy, that'll stop us in our tracks. The fear of man. Sin will stop us. It's anything that misses the mark with God. Our mindsets will stop us. Addictions will stop us. Desires will stop us. Being lukewarm will stop us. Being lukewarm, I, I think this is one of the greatest areas of challenge in the church in New Zealand today. Being lukewarm will stop us. What's lukewarm look like? This is a list. Jan actually did a devotion thing she was reading, and this was in it. Lukewarm people attend church fairly regularly. It's what's expected of them, what they believe good Christians do, so they go. Lukewarm people give money to charity and to the church, as long as it doesn't impinge on their standard of living. 
they have a little extra and it's easy and safe to give, they do so. Lukewarm people desire to fit in both the church and outside of the church. They care more about what people think of their actions than what God thinks of their hearts and lives. Lukewarm people don't really want to be saved from their sin. They only want to be saved from the penalty of their sin. Lukewarm people are moved by stories about people who do radical things for Christ, yet they do not act. Lukewarm people call radical what Jesus expected of all of his followers. Lukewarm people really share their faith with their neighbors, co-workers, friends, family. They do not want to be rejected, nor do they want to make people feel uncomfortable by talking about private issues like religion. Lukewarm people gauge their morality or their goodness by comparing themselves to the secular world. They feel satisfied that they are nowhere as horrible as that guy down the road. They say they love Jesus and he is part of their lives, but only a part. They give him a section of their time, their money, their thoughts, but he isn't allowed to control their lives. Lukewarm people love God, but they do not love him with all of their heart, soul, and strength. Lukewarm people love others, but not do not seek to love others as much as they love themselves. I don't know about you, but when I read that list, I went, oh, that is not pleasant. That's one challenging list. Why is it so challenging? Well, it's challenging because it's true. But it's challenging because what does Jesus say about lukewarm? It's a terrible picture. It's a gross picture, isn't it? It's what he says. He says, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's true. I told you, it's not a very nice picture, is it? It's not a very nice picture. But that's what Jesus says. And as I went through these things and thinking cathartic encounter, thinking, man, I just really felt drawn to the sense that, that God wants to invade lukewarmness in our lives. And we're going to sing one more song, and then Jan's going to finish off. But I really want to encourage you to get before God. He's commissioned you. He's anointed you. He's commissioned me. He's anointed me. Say, Lord, why do I need to drop? What do I need to be relieved of? What do I need to be released of? What do I need to be delivered of in Jesus' name? What do I need to be set free of so that I can live the life that you've just empowered me to live because he'll set you free of those things. He'll meet you at your faith this morning. Because there's lots of things that I don't want said over me and one of those is I spit you out of my mouth. I really want to not be lukewarm. If you know the scripture, the context of the scripture where he says that cold's better than hot, lukewarm makes you ill. You've got to be one or the other. You're on or off. You can be quite useful when you're off. You can be quite useful when you're on. But in the middle, makes you thick. Sick, not thick. Well, you've probably got to be thick to live there. Anyway, Jesus... We open our hearts to you this morning and I really sense that you do want to put your finger on stuff for us. 
that you've changed up a few gears with your kingdom intention. And that you're not into ticking boxes. Holy Spirit, we open our heart and invite you to start to stir, start to shift things. Spirit that drives fear of man, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. There's no room for you. You have no right in the life of those who have given their hearts to Jesus lives to Jesus and where there's been fear that peace and courage and purpose would come I invite you to speak to us all about lukewarm My desire is that we're a church on fire for Jesus. And I know that starts with me. stir our hearts cause change that when we leave here today this encounter with you this process doesn't stop this is only the seed of where you take each one of us I know I'm inviting you to challenge us and it's not going to be easy or comfortable but Lord that is what I'm asking that your church will shine that your church will be the light on the hill that you've called us to be. That we will be the hope of the world who you've commissioned us to be. And fear won't stop us. And apathy won't stop us. We will be motivated in God. Motivated in the kingdom. Purposed in the kingdom. Courageous in the kingdom. That our hearts would be so much bigger than ourselves. Because you died for every person. isn't it? We can take this atmosphere into our day, can't we? Yes, you can. (laughs) You take it with you. Serve it.
I reckon we should sing to finish, don't you? Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. A few reminders before we leave today. I want to say thank you, church, for your giving. Please remember that the giving stations are to your left as you exit the building. And, well, I reckon automatic payment's way easier. Yeah, a few thumbs up there. But thank you for your giving. Uh, Also, next week, do we know what time we're meeting next week? Yeah, nine o'clock is back next week. So 9 o'clock, 10.30 and 6 p.m. 6 p.m. is kicking off tonight. Yeah, come on. It's going to be a great night tonight. We're going to be having a barbecue, so come along. We're going to start with a barbecue. 6 p.m. tonight, we'll have eat, and we're going to have a a very powerful time together this evening. 6 p.m. Yes, and bring that excitement with you and expectation. Have I covered everything? I think so. If you would would like someone to stand with you and pray with you at the end of our gathering, please come to the front. We would love to stand with you and pray with you if you would like that. Let's sing.